Welcome back to the Appetite for Construction podcast. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how are you doing today? JP, I'm doing grand. How about you? I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. Now, pretty, got, pretty, I, pretty good. Well, I was going to say, we've got, we've just recently had the start of uh, college football. NFL starts right around the corner. Fantasy football. You and I are in a fantasy football league that we'll be drafting here shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, feels like fall is almost here. I know. Summer went by too fast. It did. Too fast. It did. Kind of looking forward to talking to our guest. He's down in the heart of football country, so may have to talk a little football as well. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, bring him on. Uh, he is Brian Cordell. Brian has over 25 years in the industry and is the Director of Residential and Commercial Business Development for the Propane Education and Research Council, PERC. In that position, he is the Chief Architect of the Residential and Commercial Market Portfolios, leading efforts to support and grow propane demand in the residential and commercial markets. Uh, Brian, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. It's a good thing I've got a PR firm that writes for me. I found I found important. Well, you could say that propane flows in your veins. Uh, says uh, you've been around the product uh, your whole life, growing up for uh, your grandfather and father in the family business, Cordal Butane Propane Service. That's so, right. I mean, uh, does it grow in you? I mean, it must flow in your veins, right? It does. Uh, you've been around it. My grandfather started in the 1930s. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all I know. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the Propane Education Research Council. Tell us a little about, you know, what you do, your efforts, and the efforts of the council. So the the, the council, PERC, was formed by Congress at the request of the propane industry. It's a checkoff program. So if you, you know, if folks are familiar with the Beef Industry Council, it's the beef, it's what's for dinner people. Well, we're the, we're the industry uh, version. We're the only energy checkoff program. Uh, that exists. So uh, we saw in the 90s, and I say we because at that time as a propane marketer, I was involved in the uh, move to create the organization. Uh, we saw the need for a single point of, uh, of contact, a single voice to represent the over 3,000 of us independent locations and retailers across the country. And so uh, we, burnt, we created PERC to do that. And so in that effort, we own the education and safety programs for the propane industry. Uh, we also do trainings for allied industries and why I'm here today. And we want to talk to, to plumbers and HVAC contractors, architects and builders about how they can, can do more with propane. And, and we talk about doing it safely there as well. I think, I think the, one of the things that your, your listeners love is that we always start with, start with a professional. Uh, you know, we're, we're not a, a do it yourself organization. We want to be, promoting the sell, the safe and efficient use of propane in the field. So Tim, I got probably the dumbest question I'll ask on the podcast we've ever done. Are you ready? Yes. What is what is propane? What's the difference I mean between oil and gas? Propane why propane? So propane is technically the compound C3H8. So mm-hmm. three carbon atoms, eight hydrogen atoms. Uh functionally it is a it is a liquid at normal atmospheric temperatures and pressure. So we can put it in a tank as mm-hmm. a liquid. That energy density is our secret. If you take natural gas, which is predominantly methane, it is in a vapor space. It is a gas space. 
We mm -hmm. are an associated natural gas liquid, meaning that through the same production of an oil or gas plant or stream at the plant, we would be a liquid in the phase. And so, uh, again, that transportability and that density of a liquid. So that to specifically say we are 230 times more dense in that liquid phase than mm -hmm. we are in the vapor space. We can deliver a lot of energy to the project. This is going to be my dumb question of the podcast. I guess not dumb, but, you know, propane versus diesel, propane versus methane. I mean, what's the big advantages uh, and for propane? So we'll, when compared to methane, we are not a greenhouse gas. If you look at the impact of methane on the environment, it's somewhat in the neighborhood of 200 times worse than the carbon emissions uh, that we're, we're really trying to protect. So we, we differ from methane in that standpoint. Uh, from diesel, one of our biggest differences, we're, we're not a contaminant. We, we don't have the aromatics. We don't uh, contaminate soil or water. Uh, the EPA says, you know, we, we just uh, blend in and don't don't have any impact on on that if there were a leak. Um, and then from an emission standpoint with diesel, you know, the big differences are going to be in the noxes and soxes, the nitrous oxides and sulfur oxides. Um, the the carbon, the the amount of carbon consumed to produce energy with diesel and propane and natural gas is not tremendously different. It depends a lot on the, the exact efficiency of the equipment that you're using. But those those other pollutants, the things that, that cause uh, negative impacts to air quality and things, uh, we avoid with our fuel. So then you could say that retrofitting with propane would provide a better carbon footprint? Correct. So today, if we, you know, my first comparison is almost always to electricity. Uh, the grid is not clean today. It has a plan to get cleaner, but using propane in the building, in a boiler or a furnace or you know, whatever appliance, using that propane in the building reduce, reduces greenhouse gas emissions by about 43% versus using electricity delivered by the U.S. grid. So you know, you're using a less, you're using less energy because of the efficiency of gas-fired boilers and and furnaces versus a, a electric resistance appliance. And then the energy that you're using is cleaner. Now we're cleaner because we're used on site. The electricity doesn't have any emissions in the building, but they have them upstream at the power plant. And so you know, about a third of the energy that goes into the power plant is all that comes out of the power plant and gets to the plug. And so when you look at that life cycle or greenhouse gas emissions from the power plant, and that's where we can see our, like I said, 43% reduction by using propane today over U.S. grid electricity. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I was reading and hearing a lot about, you know, California uh, trying to eliminate gas, uh, you know, run vehicles by 2035, I think it is. How does all of that affect propane? Well, we don't, we don't actively pursue the light duty vehicle market. Yeah. Um, we are we are cost effective for for construction fleets at at about the F three fifty or thirty five hundred class vehicle your one ton and up through about your class seven so your your seven fifty uh, of Freightliner FL seventy you know kind of give you some some ideas so uh, in those instances we have uh, lower 
emissions at the tailpipe in the in a propane vehicle than an equivalent electric vehicle in I think 43 of the 50 states. And of the the 50, it's it's only marginally or, or it's about the same as as an electric vehicle. What we benefit you is you know a propane powered school bus has a range of about 450 miles. An electric powered school bus has a range of about 200 miles. So if you could take that to a construction truck, you know, we're going to put this on a dump truck and we're going to let you do one job today and then you're going to stop and, and take an hour to, to recharge the truck and then you, then you can make another run of, of material versus, you know, we can run like say, about 400 miles with the, the loaded propane vehicle. So that's, that's where we see the opportunity for propane vehicles. Uh, Cummins is building a new 6.7 liter engine that was purpose built for propane. They will also release it in gasoline and natural gas and others, but, but we partnered with them to develop it. Uh, that engine has diesel like performance. By diesel like, I mean the, the torque, what, how it takes off from a start, what it'll pull, how it goes with the efficiency of propane. And now you're looking at diesel propane prices being, a, you know, propane being about half the cost of diesel today. Mm-hmm. That engine is so impressive. If you ran it in Los Angeles, the emissions would be cleaner than the air it took in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, the technology that we've been developing, not just in the building, but for our, our commercial contractors to be able to give them an opportunity to, to operate a fleet of cleaner vehicles without being tied to a, to a battery electric. So, I mean, in my little brain, I, you know, I go to a gas station and I take the hose and I can see the, gas going into the tank are there propane stations like if you go to a truck sta- truck stop is there a propane how do people refill and how does that process work so there are um certain corridors that the department of transportation has identified as uh renewable fuels corridors and propane has the most mileage of those you know across the country because there are fueling options at truck stops there's also because of those 3500 or so you know, propane retailers we talked about that have the capacity to fuel your vehicle. Uh, what we see most of the times at schools is, you know, they're going to run 10 to 200 buses. A propane company is going to install infrastructure for them. And it could be done at your, you know, at your contractor's location. You put a, a storage tank and the dispenser and it's just like you, you felt. Our connection is you open the gasoline door and there's a little propane connection in there. You clamp on the nozzle just like you were turning the gasoline on, and it it fills it up for you. Current economic climate, I would say, how is that affecting propane? The efforts that you've talked about and creating, you know, more reliable energy sources. So it's affecting propane in a positive way, in that the differential between oil and propane, crude oil and propane, and from crude oil you can you get directly to diesel that that price difference is about as great as we've ever seen. Like I said, it's about 50% the cost of, of crude oil to, for your propane. So that is giving us an opportunity in, in the automotive space. But, you know, the next closest thing to diesel is our fuel oil that, that all our contractors are using in the Northeast for commercial and residential customers. And, and you see that big a difference in the cost of energy for the home or business there as well, taking the combination that that lower price cost today for the energy with the demand for higher efficiency, uh, 
lower emissions equipment in the home, propane is a is a drop-in solution basically for fuel. Take the old oil boiler out, you take the old oil tank out, you get somebody to clean that environmental hazard up, you set the propane tank, put the boiler in, and you're, you know, you tie your water in. That's the, you know, you you're just going to have a boiler that's powered by propane instead of oil, and suddenly you've you've made a a big improvement in your economics and your carbon footprint. The alternative would be to say, let's electrify that building. Well, you don't have a huge electrical service to that building today because it's running lights and fans and pumps. And so to electrify that building, you've got to bring in four or 500 amp service where you've got 100 to 150 amp now. and that means that electric utilities probably got to put a new transformer out. It's got to bring new service in. Maybe you have to go to three phase service to electrify that building. And and we just see that as a, a either a huge barrier for electrification or a huge opportunity for propane to meet that ultimate goal, which was lower cost to operate and cleaner for the environment. You know, the HVAC and plumbing contractors that might be listening to the show, what are some of the biggest obstacles in their way from switching to propane? Some of it is fear of the unknown. If they haven't been doing it, you know, just getting getting started. You know, I, I say inertia is our biggest challenge. Everybody's going in this direction and, and installing what they've installed and done what they've done. And, and we want to change that behavior and that inertia to keep going in the same direction is, is the biggest thing that we have to overcome. You know, some of the conversation is around newer technologies. Um, I spend a lot of time with manufacturers that are developing or selling, uh, distributing combined heat and power and micro combined heat and power systems. And you just, when you've got a, a, a HVAC contractor, an electrician and a plumber, unless you've got a, a true master mechanical contractor involved, you've got three trades that have to agree to do something differently today than they've done for the entirety of their career. Now, it's not hard. I was on a job site with a builder in Massachusetts because uh, we were encouraging them to put in a micro combined heat and power system. This particular product is a boiler that makes electricity. So at the end of the day, it's a boiler that makes electricity. But because it was a micro CHP system, everybody threw their hands up and says, I've never done that. I can't do that. So so I take my little airplane from, from here in Louisiana and I go up to almost Vermont. And I, I meet with the builder, the mechanical contractor, the equipment provider, the electrician, you know, everybody. And, and like, okay, here's a mechanical room. Everybody agree this is just a mechanical room, right? And everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a mechanical room. All right, this is a boiler. Mr. Mechanical Contractor, you're going to bring gas in here and take hot water out of it there. Well, yeah, that's no problem. I said, well, Mr. Electrician, good news. This boiler happens to make a little electricity a lot like a generator. So you're going to take some electricity out of this side over to the transfer switch, just like you were hooking up a generator and and do your job the rest of the way. And they're like, well, why is everybody saying this is so hard? I, I, I do not know why they're telling us it's so hard. It's just, you know, a mechanical room and we make our connections. We size our lines. We we, we size our electrical cables and, and we put it in and the customers are, are thrilled with the outcome. So geographically, are there areas in the country that are more... I'm not necessarily amenable, but that use propane more. And then there's, are there areas that you're trying to target for more propane use? So historically, internally, we have had this list of counties that we basically call propane country. They are the, you know, they, they sell more than uh, 
probably 70% of the propane that's sold in the United States, we put into this group. And they, it, it has to do with population uh, density. It has to do with the availability of natural gas infrastructure. Uh, and so we've had this sort of historic spot. And, you know, it, it also ties directly to temperature. The colder it is, the more likely somebody is going to need a high efficiency heating appliance. And, and propane has always been there to, to beat back electricity. So for you know, no surprise, Michigan and Minnesota are huge propane states. They're big. It's cold. They're they're highly rural. It's we're you know we're on farms and things, and so that's that's not a big surprise. Well, if I told you that North Carolina consistently was in the top five, you'd say, well, how? They're not a huge state. Well, well, they're cooler. You know, there's a lot of elevation, mid-level elevation there. Uh, there's just not a lot of natural gas infrastructure because the the creeks and the hills and the the way that the 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 state developed. Uh, so those are kind of where we've been. And where we're seeing people, things change is as we've seen during during COVID and post-COVID, this migration from super urban areas to more rural and suburban areas. That second tier growth has occurred not only in propane country, but but at the edge of natural gas country where natural gas utilities couldn't expand fast enough. You know, if you want to start a subdivision tomorrow, you know, we got to get it permitted, but I can get the propane permit and tanks on the ground and ready to go as fast as you can build houses. And it's just not that case with a, a utility that's looking at millions of dollars per mile for their their main expansion. Then I'm curious, how has the government infrastructure and climate bills that have been passed over the last couple of years, how will those affect propane moving forward? So some of it is very power, very promising because they've included propane in the funding language for Department of Energy. So as they're doing uh, research projects, they're required to to consider propane and blends of propane with renewable fuels and renewable potentials such as uh, dimethyl ether. Uh, from the from the our audience's perspective, the beauty that you can hang on to is the investment tax credit has been expanded and extended. So that micro CHP project that you were trying to figure out how to pencil. Well, here's 30% back to the buyer as a tax credit for putting in that cogeneration system. Uh, it's in the same language as adding solar panels and, and other things uh, for the building to, to green up the energy systems on the building. There are certain markets, and it, it's pretty technical, but let's say there are spots we can get to 50% ITC on that, uh, that mechanical equipment. So that's a huge win uh, for all of us. As, as we look to reduce the amount of energy that we have to use in buildings, but also increasing their performance by, by having appliances that do two things with, with one source of energy. So you had mentioned that uh, one of the biggest obstacles for propane in general is, you know, contractors doing what they've always done and, you know, the getting on this podcast and talking to our audience helps, but where can people go? Where can they get, find the resources? You know, what, what about, you know, your website. Yeah. So propane.com, that, that ought to be an easy one for everybody to remember, you know, propane.com. We have through there, you can link to our learning center where I have courses for, uh, uh, I have a full HVAC curriculum and plumber curriculum for working with propane. Um, it's a, the, 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 the curriculum itself is in a four inch thick binder. So we cover everything soup to nuts on on safely installing propane as an HVAC technician or working with propane as an HVAC technician or a plumber. 
Uh, we also have specific courses for builders. Uh, I've got a, a AIA American Institute of Architects certified course, continuing ed for micro combined heat and power for tankless water heaters in commercial buildings with propane. You know, we we have this full battle battery of of training opportunities on propane.com. It's under there's a tab called For My Business and select either residential or commercial construction. And there you can sign up for my monthly newsletters. I do a uh, build with propane residential and commercial newsletter. Uh, we often highlight work that other folks have contributed to plumbing uh, perspective or mechanical hub just so that we can tell that story again. Uh, but that's just a, you know, a good way to just stay aware of what's, what's changing. And then I just want to thank you guys because y'all have been super uh, helpful to run a lot of content that, that I've created to just tell the story of how, you know, kind of what we're talking about today, but you know, we've, you've been able to let me contribute articles on boilers and CHP and, and the truth of electrification uh, in the country. Yeah. You mentioned training. Is that a requirement for, for guys to, to go through? Very state to state. So there, we have some states where uh, building contractors are required to have continuing ed. So our mechanical contractors are too. There are a number of states, including Louisiana, where our, our propane marketers have to have continuing education hours. So these these are built to provide that that level of of verification. Uh, we are in the process of uh, actually PERC becoming an accredited training agency. So everything that all of our processes and Steps. We're not really changing anything. We're just everybody's reviewing our processes, and then they're going to stamp them and say, you know, you're accredited. So that'll that'll help us even with more jurisdictions uh, to get their those trainings approved for for your listeners. Brian, I must ask somebody with a master's degree in organizational psychology from Louisiana Tech University. How does that factor into what you do at Perk? Organizational psychology is really human resources from the human side rather than just the, the business side. Uh, so I, I countered that with taking all my electives in, in human resource management. So I understand human performance, um, organizational, even think of it a little bit of an inside politics, you know, you kind of yeah. understand what makes people tick and, and move, but it, it really helps me to, you know, as I lead a, a team of, of myself, a communications partner, uh, support, all of our outside agencies, uh, contractors that work for us. I just, I mean, I, I get, I get the answers from them that I want them to give. That's how it works. There's one other answer to why you get a master's in industrial psychology is because your dad's hounding you to go to work in the propane business and you're looking for any excuse to, to, uh, to put it off. That's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. But psychology, that's not a, <laughs> That's not like one of those easy classes you go through or courses you go through college, though. Wow. So, you know, we, we I guess it's time to go through the gauntlet, Tim. <laughs> yes, it's gauntlet time. Let's talk football. <laughs> no, well, we could talk for anything you want. But what do you like to do in your uh, free time? If you <laughs> What's free time? You know. Yeah. So I, I affectionately refer to myself as a caddy. My wife and daughter and I enjoy to do a lot of things outdoors. So sometimes I'm carrying golf clubs. A lot of times I'm carrying fishing rods, um, tennis rackets, you know, whatever we can do together outside. So that's, I, I'm the caddy. I spent uh, a couple of days, a couple of weekends ago, fly fishing in Georgia. And after I got everybody rigged up and fishing and, you know, we retied some stuff and they're like, are you going to fish? I was like, I'm too tired to fish now. I'm good. Y'all, y'all go and enjoy. 
John, I was so going to say, do, have you been fishing lately, John? Oh, well, last month went up to northern Minnesota, but um, I plan on fishing this weekend over Labor Day up in Michigan. I, th- I think it's a totally different kind of fishing than where you are located, uh, Brian. Yeah, we'll we'll be throwing big rubber worms at bass over Labor Day weekend or, or feeding crickets to the perch. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, similar. Largemouth bass and perch. Uh, okay. Yep. There you go. There you go. Um, what about football? Any uh, LSU or what? What's no, the? No, I, I went to Louisiana Tech and and I I continue to support them. Uh, fortunate yeah. enough, my dad was at Tech uh, as an engineer at the time that Terry Bradshaw was there, so they had a, a thrilling college experience and went in the what was I think the Grantland Rice Bowl, the small college uh, national championship at the time, and uh, so I it just kind of grew up as a as a Tech fan. I had. A uh, few different contemporaries, uh, you know, Carl Malone had just finished playing basketball uh, oh. when I started, uh, or playing basketball for Tech. Uh, Charlie Montoya, who is uh, the cap, the skipper uh, for, I think it's Toronto now, uh, played baseball with me. While I, oh, no, I didn't play. I was a fan uh, while we were at Tech. So uh, I am excited. I've got uh, season tickets on the 45-yard line, uh, about 15 rows up from the from the sideline at tech that we've had for, for years. And, uh, we'll, we'll play on the road this, uh, to open the season and then we'll be at home. So looking forward to that LSU. I don't have a problem. My wife's got a degree from LSU. She's got a degree from Nebraska too, but you know, you know what the N on the helmet stands for at Nebraska, right? Uh, Knowledge. Okay. (laughs) Well, We were just talking about that. Uh, Scott Frost could use a little bit of that for his decision to go for an onside kick in the early in the third quarter. Oh. No kidding. Yeah, it did not win him any friends. It did not. Yeah, but um, I don't. I don't know. I was watching that. Did you watch that game? Either of you? I, I watched a little bit. Anyway, I, don't I, I didn't get to see the game. I was watching my nephew, uh, high school player. He they got recruited from the. Uh, soccer field to the to the football field he's their he's their kicker now so it's like you know, this five ten, you know doesn't look like a kicker at all kid it goes out there and they there's a little scrimmage they kick they scored one touchdown and he kicked his extra point and they won seven to nothing Ooh, nice. so that's why i didn't get to see scott well propane.com that's how our listeners can find out more information about perk which as john mentioned earlier is propane education and research council um, anything else uh, off the top of your head, Brian, that may want to share some knowledge that's with the K, not the N? Yeah, so I think the one thing that we really didn't get into, we talked about propane being cleaner than the electric grid today. Uh, we want to make sure everybody understands we're going to continue to be cleaner than the electric grid, even as they move towards their 2030 and 2050 goals of increasing renewables on the grid. And that's because we also have a renewable fuel, renewable propane. It is a byproduct of, of a couple of different uh, processes. It can be through renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, there's several products. Anyway, we, we produce renewable propane today uh, at a plant here in Louisiana. We have three new plants coming on online later this year in early 2023. Uh, we believe that by 2050, we will produce half of the world's propane demand on, as renewable products. Uh, that's, that's the World LP Gas Association. Uh, we know we also have a product called renewable dimethyl ether. That's a drop-in blend with propane. Uh, 
we we can get to a carbon zero fuel blend uh, faster than the electric grid can get to 100% carbon free electricity. And so cleaner today, cleaner tomorrow. Don't feel bad about helping your customers put in a system that's going to be with them for 25 years because it's good today and it'll be continue to be good for them in the future. And like I said earlier, the propane.com, if they want to get a hold of you to ask questions about how to put in those uh, CHP systems or any of the micro units that you were talking about earlier, they're able to get a hold of you on propane.com, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's right there. And then you can link through. There's there's articles and details uh, on all of the stuff that we talked about today. Yeah, we certainly carry across our mechanicalhub.com, plumbingperspective.com, hydronicshub.com. Brian mentioned it earlier. He's contributed uh, all kinds of articles for us that we've uh, got on our website and people can go. In fact, I'm, I'm posting one later this week to uh, share with our audience. So hopefully they'll get a chance to read that and uh, learn a bit, a little bit more about uh, all the things that you guys are doing with Perk. Yeah. Again, I can't thank you enough for for the support that that you've given us. And I mean, you you have you're you're the editors. You get to tell us if we're if we're not being honest. And and we just appreciate your your open relationship that you've you've had with us. I'm looking forward. I already know some stuff that I'm going to be able to introduce in the first part of 23 because of products that are going to make it to International Builder Show or the the AHR Expo. Uh, so you know. There's, but wait, there's more. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, are, are there any shows this fall that you're at or are the next big shows, the Builder Show and HR? The, those are the next big Builder Shows. Uh, we'll be at Green Build Expo um, out in the end of October where we'll demonstrate a microgrid with solar battery, uh, propane fuel cell powered by renewable propane right at the entrance of the, the convention center. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. We we've been in propane show season all summer. So uh, I've six, the last six weeks straight was was on the road. So I I was really excited to schedule this this day at home. Right on. Well, Brian, thanks so much for uh, jumping on. Um, I I for one learned a lot that I didn't know about propane, and and I uh, hope the guys listening and the and the ladies listening can can glean a little knowledge about propane and its uses and its future. So thank you for jumping on and in uh, talking with us. Oh, thanks so much. Glad to do it. 